Hello, High Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke. Pastor Chris is with us, and one thing we both have in common is I think we're both recovering from RSV, so uh, hopefully we'll be able to hit the mute button without having to uh, cough or clear our throats, but forgive us if we uh, miss that opportunity. Uh, today we're going to continue with Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, a very familiar passage to many of us. Uh, like many stories in Jesus's masterful storytelling, there are a number of angles that you can come to in the same story. So we're going to take a look at this today in Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. And Chris, if you'd read that for us, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Uh, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to the inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I love how the... Um... The, the lawyer answers Jesus's question at the end. He says, the man who had mercy on him, it's almost as if he can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. Like that's how despised the Samaritans were by the Jews of that day. Um, <clears throat> this road to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, was not commonly traveled uh, just for no reason at all, except for uh, Jews who lived to the north, like say in Galilee, who were traveling to Jerusalem and then traveling back, would skip the direct route because the direct route would take them through the West, what is today the West Bank, what was back then Samaria, where the Samaritans are from. And so because it was dangerous, because there was hatred between the Jewish people and the Samaritans, they would avoid that. So they would take the long route by crossing over the Jordan River to Jericho and then heading up north along the east side of the river then crossing back when they got near Galilee. Um, so anyway, when, when this neighbor is, when this person who's a neighbor to the man lying in the road turns out to be a Samaritan and Jesus asks him the question, it's almost as if he can't even say the Samaritan. He has to say the man who had uh, mercy on him. Um, 
the, the lawyer here is asking a question about eternal life, and it's a valid question. In the other Gospels, uh, Jesus is asked this question, and Jesus answers with the same answer that the lawyer gives here. The, the, you know, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. So the lawyer gives exactly the same answer that Jesus does, but Jesus isn't satisfied with his answer because um, he sees something that we're told in the text here. The lawyer was looking for a way to justify himself. In essence, the lawyer is looking for a loophole. He doesn't want this requirement to love his neighbor. So he wants a narrower definition of who that neighbor might be. You know, someone who's, you know, love love is costly. It's, it's hard to love people. Uh, it requires uh, giving of your time, your, your resources, your money, all of this. And he wants to narrow that circle so it doesn't go too far. But Jesus is going to blow that circle apart and, and basically say it's everybody, even this Samaritan, by reversing their roles, by saying, in essence, you're the man in the ditch, and the Samaritan is the one who comes to save you. That person is your, your neighbor. But one of the things I think about in this passage is how the, the priest likely has you know important things to do. He's an important person, and the temple assistant, the Levite, has important things to do. They're an important person, and you know there's perhaps a religious justification if they came in contact with a dead body, they would be religiously unclean and have to go through purification rituals and, and all of that. But I think it comes down to this idea that this they don't know who the person on the side of the road is, and they're not bothered to go figure that out because this would interrupt their otherwise important work. I think this is one of the reasons why. To be available to God, we have to be, first of all, humble to realize that, you know, nothing that we're doing is really so important that it should get in the way of God-given opportunities to love other people. I mean, what, what could we be doing that's so important that we would say no uh, to the opportunities that God gives us? And, and that's what this really is. It seems like an interruption, but in many ways, interruptions or opportunities. I've, I've made this point before. Many people have made this point that probably half or more of Jesus's recorded ministry in the Gospels were interruptions. And one of the most famous we covered just a few weeks ago was the uh, the bleeding woman uh, who came along when Jesus was going to heal the daughter of Jairus. And that was, first of all, Jairus coming to Jesus was an interruption. And then this woman um, is an interruption of an interruption. And, and Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Jesus makes that time. He makes the most of that moment to truly heal this woman, not just of her bleeding, but of, of being this social outcast, of being unvalued. And, and he, he takes the time to call her daughter, like that you matter just as much as this uh, precious little girl that I'm going to, to heal right now. Mm -hmm. And so these, these moments are opportunities to love. But if we don't have margin, if we don't have time built into our schedules where we can say yes to these opportunities, we're going to miss these opportunities to love that uh, come our way from God. We're going to miss the opportunity to uh, to be like Jesus, who made so much time uh, during these interruptions. In any case, uh, Chris, I'm wondering if you have any uh, reflections on this and the idea of margin and making ourselves available. I think this is maybe one of if not the central, one of the central challenges of our time and place is to make space in our schedules to actually be available to one another and to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, the really familiar story, this idea of, you know, loving your neighbor. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, a book that an old High Rock pastor, uh, Michelle Sanchez, shared with me years ago um, called uh, The Art of Neighboring. Um, which really challenged me because it, well, and it had a little bit of different 
push on this idea of um, kind of going to, sometimes we say we like, hey, we're supposed to love everyone. We're supposed to love everyone out there. And the books are challenged to say like, yeah, we have that sort of posture, but then because it's just like, it's so broad, we end up not really living out what it means to love your neighbor. And so they try to like refocus you and really get you into this idea of really practicing loving your neighbor by literally identifying the neighbors that live right around you. So the people that live in front of you, behind you and side to side, and then you can get in the kitty corners if you if you want, kind of like the box of houses around your house. Um, and you, you were like, if you're in an apartment building, you could just do it, you know, in the apartments that are around yours. Um, and they asked, just universally asked all these people, you know, three questions, which was, uh, do you know your neighbor's names? That was one. And you got like a point for that. Do you know your uh, neighbor's kind of hopes and dreams? And, and then that was another point. Or then do you know their concerns and, and, and like kind of their woes? And um, they, they said they asked people that were, you know, non-churched and people that were churched. And there was no distinction uh, between the two groups. And that, um, and that actually it was pretty low. Like it was really like a, a miserably failing grade in terms of people really knowing their neighbors. Um, now, I, I, as I sit here, I can look out the window behind my computer and it's looking at my neighbor, Leon. Um, he, he literally just passed away uh, last month. And um, Leon, when I moved in here to this area, you know, he was still pretty mobile and he'd be outside and his wife, Roxy, was around. Um, and we met them, but I had never really spent time with him because I was always too busy, like you said. And um, and I'll be honest, I kind of, I feel like in a lot of ways, I've always sort of been almost too busy and not really found enough margin um, to just stop and, and talk with him. Um, but uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Roxy passed away. And so I knew he was alone. And one day after reading this book, The Art of Neighboring, I felt really convicted to just walking out to my car. I'm going to work. I'm probably going to meet you or somebody else at the church for something. And I'm like, oh, I'm really busy. I got to get going. But um, seeing him, I just said, you know, I'm going to go talk to Leon. And I ended up having just a wonderful time with him. And I did, I've done it many times since where I would go into his house, we'd sit down and talk. Um, you know, he was an artist, which was, I learned a lot about that. And I learned a lot about how he had lost a daughter. Uh, very, she was a, an adult when she passed away, but kind of suddenly and tragically. And so he was filled with a lot of grief. And um, that art of neighboring is about, you know, making that margin. But it's also like sometimes this has to be very concrete. You know, what does it look? We have we have a neighbor behind us. We call our backstore neighbors, uh, George and Kathy. And um, their son is actually uh, John. He's my age, um, but he's pretty severely handicapped. And most of the time is in a, in a facility. But he comes home on the weekends and I see him out on the back deck and I'm able to, you know, talk with them. Um, but during COVID, we were, you know, talking with them and praying with them because obviously John was at high risk. Um, and now we've learned, you know, George is going through um, facing dementia uh, pretty seriously. And so being there for Kathy and with all that that's meant in their house. Um, so, you know, what does it look like to really make space for literally the people that are your neighbors? Um, now, in this text, what I find really interesting is, is that it's, you know, Jesus is is the good Samaritan, you know, going to heal the person in the ditch. That's one way of like reading this. And we receive this grace and this abundant love from, from God through Christ. 
And when we receive that and like, we realize like I'm the neighbor that maybe can feel hard to go see, or I could feel lonely like Leon. And yet Jesus comes and meets me there. And if I'm drawing from that, that's where I find I'm able to give to others. Um, one of the things I talk about in terms of offering, like it literally like our tithes and offerings is uh, because we so freely receive, we freely give. And uh, I feel like that's where this, this text really speaks to is we so freely receive that healing grace and care uh, when the world is beating us up, when we're feeling down or alone, who hurt or wounded, God is there. And it's out of that that then we draw this example of like, then what does it look like to really live out the art of neighboring? Um, literally here in my neighborhood, but also broader. You know, what's it look like to have that posture in, in the world around us when it's not always easy? Um, we walk down the street every day in Boston. You know, you you kind of, you know, you see people all day long and we're, you watch people like they sort of have this face of like, we just sort of disconnect from humanity because we don't want to be bothered. So I read this text and I'm like, boy, Lord, I, I hope I can work better on having a face that says yes, uh, instead of a face that says no to helping those who are around me. I, I think that's a, a great challenge. And I just want to connect it to the season that we're in. Today is Ash Wednesday. It's the first day of Lent. And many people choose to fast from something, uh, to let go of something in essence, in order to make room for God. And, and maybe one way to fast this season isn't necessarily to uh, abstain from a certain food. Maybe one way to fast might be to give up something or curtail something that is eating up a lot of your time so that you have this kind of margin to have a face that says yes, to be someone who can say yes to your neighbor and to the opportunities that God gives you to love. So just something to consider. Uh, Chris, I'm wondering if you'd uh, be willing to close this in prayer. I'd love to. Lord God, we give you thanks for this text and, and the one that can be kind of familiar, but Lord can continue to speak truth into our lives. God, help us to uh, receive this as a word of challenge, to really lean into being uh, good neighbors, to, Lord, that we would reflect your face, which is a face of care and compassion, uh, a face that says yes to, to healing others around us. Thank you for this time that we have together in uh, focusing on your word. And may it just add to the richness of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. And in the spirit of Lent, may we all repent and believe the gospel. Go amen. Peace.